there's a miraculous day at the very end when, you know, you move out all the tools and all of a sudden it's like, this is what we were thinking about. It's not just a bunch of kids getting some lumber out there and throwing a house up. Welcome to Rice to the Tet. This week we're joined by Danny Samuels and Rose Rakowski. Danny is the founding director of Rice Construct, our school's long-standing design build program. Rose is a current master's student who has been involved in the course since fall of 2016. They recently completed the Plus House, a prototype accessory dwelling unit that confronted issues of Houston's urban fabric. Danny, I understand that you've worked extensively during your career studying issues of residential densification and affordable housing, either independently as issues or sometimes in a combined effort and we know that these issues are quite prominent in many cities across the country. So why is it important to look at housing densification, particularly in Houston? Um, for example, Houston's population as of 2017 is 51 times larger than its population in 1900, um, in comparison to Chicago, which is currently only at 1.6 times larger than it was in 1900. Well, I've only been here half of that 100 years. <laughs> But uh, this is a uniquely geographic situation where it's basically, un Houston is unbounded by too many strongly geographic features. I mean, Chicago had only to grow west from the lakeside. That was the only possibility. So cities grow in different ways according to the constraints around them. We have just realized the constraint on Houston is you better not build in the lowest elevations because it's liable to be flooded. Right. So Albert Pope's idea of vacate the floodlands means that there will be greater density on the higher places where you can build. There's no alternative to that other than to keep spreading out. But as you even spreading out, you're spreading into the lower lying areas. So it's imperative if Houston is going to continue to grow that um, it grows more densely and that's been happening in a lot of different ways I mean the first big wave during the 60s and 70s was building townhouses so mm -hmm. you could build three houses on one lot one fifty by 100 foot lot instead of one after that we've had this big wave of mid-rise apartment buildings, five and six stories, the kind of limitation that you can build with wood frame construction. And those two types have basically uh, taken over inside the loop. Right now what's going on is a boom in high-rise condominium towers. All of those are, are an impetus to densification that has not been around before. You mentioned that some of the main ways of densifying Houston were through the use of townhouses and mid- and high-rise apartment buildings. So how is the Rice Construct program specifically addressing densification? The one where we've been focusing on for the last couple of years, and we're going to continue focusing on for another year or two in uh, Construct, is the idea of where you have an established neighborhood. I mean, how do you make those denser? The backyard dwelling unit, the accessory dwelling unit, is one way to essentially double the density of dwelling units per given land area by building a small unit in the back of the house. But that does not change the fabric. 
It does depend on the property owner, though, wanting to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but there are obvious uses for a backyard uh, dwelling unit for f younger family, older family, extended family, um, for rental, for students, for whatever. So, and a lot of that already exists. I mean, if you look behind houses, even in this area here, you see backyard, you know, garage apartments. A lot of areas th that fabric has been deteriorating and or in new areas, it doesn't even exist. So what we're trying to do is uh, propose alternatives where you can increase the density by building new units and not change the fabric. Mm -hmm. So I think on that note, I'd like to dive into construct a little deeper um, uh, on the student side. And so, Rose, you're kind of known in the hallways as the resident construct expert, either carrying something heavy or on a phone call um, with a supplier. And so I'd like to know from a student perspective what your main reasons were for becoming involved in a class like this. Was it your interest in residential design or urban planning, or was it more of your kind of base interest in the idea of the design build framework where you could be involved in the whole process from the conception of the project, producing the drawings, and then being involved in the construction? I definitely came into grad school um, not at all ever thinking I would, could do residential design. My background's in interior design and I all I had ever thought about residential work was the stress and the hand-holding and the therapy you have to provide your clients. Um, so the residential factor actually did not appeal to me at first. I, when I visited programs around the country, this was the only school that offered a design build elective course that could be taken as many times as you wanted. A few places offered as a studio where you're, you can only really qualify to take it for one semester, which to me was a very negative thing because when you limit it to just one semester, you're not able to see the project all the way through the process from conception and drawings all the way through building and finishing out and even occupancy. So that was kind of the main reason why I particularly was drawn to the, to the design build program at Rice. And you've been involved in the program for several semesters now, right? Yeah, I started when I first came here in fall 2016. We did one semester of design. Um, and that was a class of about 10 students and kind of over the course of the, of the 12 weeks narrowed it down to one project or one design, I would say, one floor plan, and then did a semester in the spring of building a piece of the house here on campus, and then two semesters of fall and a spring of construction on site, and then a little bit of work over this past summer to finish out the interior um, and the exterior finishes. Uh, so yeah, over two years of working and on this, this project. And this project that you're referencing is the newly completed Plus House, which is a prototype of an ADU um, that was mm -hmm. designed and built for the third ward, right? Yeah. So could you give us a quick maybe recap of um, the project description and the community that it's serving? Sure. It's a house built for a nonprofit in the third ward, like you mentioned, Agape Development, and they essentially have a, um, a housing program to serve uh, at-risk youths in the neighborhood. And we built the house for two of their sort of young mentors that help these, these kids 
kind of get back on track or get on their feet. So it's uh, designed and built for two young men to live in um, as roommates, basically. Well, we should say that when we started in 1996, the idea was one way to make houses more affordable is to build less house. This was way before anybody started talking about, you know, tiny houses, another term I resist, <laughs> yeah. uh, small houses. And we got increasingly smaller and smaller. We, the, the duplexes were 600 square feet. The, the uh, excess house was 500 square feet. The zero house was 500 square feet. And the plus house now as a backyard dwelling unit is 350 square feet. So it's the smallest one we've ever done. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things we've shown is that you can actually make a desirable habitation in a very, very small area. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, um, of course, with the help of Danny and um, others, it's mostly a kind of student-run project, right? Yeah. I think that's another great benefit of the, of the uh, program here um, that Danny has sort of set up in this matter, in this manner. I mean, um, I think the consultants the advisors that he gathers have a really, a really balanced approach of allowing the students to spearhead different tasks, but at the same time providing guidance and knowledge that we don't possess, obviously, as students. So it was really definitely a unique experience in that aspect. And Danny really pushes you to, to step up and learn those, you know, how to uh, procure material, how to calculate how much material, how to schedule Not everything, right? I mean, thinking ahead of what you need for a build day, you know, two days, five days, a week, ten days, two months ahead of time. I mean, how far out do you need to think about certain things? Um, there were definitely moments of high stress, but in my mind, all fun, uh, just because, you know, it's something that I think everyone needs to participate in and learn. I should say that, of course, Nanya participated in 20 years of yeah. this before Rose even yeah. got here, and she was my cohort in this, and a lot of the ideas I will credit to her. But we always had the notion that all of the projects are student projects. Students take responsibility for the design and for the build and for the final product. We're there to help out and maybe nudge a little bit, but mostly trying to just provide the backup that students need to really take charge. You know, and sometimes it works more successfully than other times. It doesn't <laughs> always work like that. So when it does work, I'm very proud of what the students have done. We worked th the on-site days for the Plus House. Was, we worked Saturdays primarily for the two semesters uh, last year. Uh, and we worked some days over the summer. But on-site days and fabrication days were 70, which is three and a half months, I think. It was no slower, I think, than a contractor or a team that's out there doing it full-time, you know, five days a week. Right. Yeah, exactly. Equivalent. Remarkably. And do you think there is any, when the community comes to see the Plus House, for example, any hesitation when you tell them that it's kind of student-run? I know Rose and I talked a little bit about, like, people were coming to the opening of the Plus House, and, you know, when they realized that it was built by students, they're kind of, well, is it going to stand up? Is it going to fall down? Like, how is it possible that it was built by students? Mm -hmm. Well, I will say it's at least as well, if not better built, than any contractor would do. 
because they actually pay attention to all the little details. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have engineers, we have building inspectors, everybody who, who looks at the construction process is very impressed with the quality of work the students do. So it's important to understand that there are other people that are in the process other oh, than, absolutely, you yeah. know, what we're doing here at Rice. There, is, there are quality controls. Yeah. But mostly the, the net observation is this is better than than most of what's out there. Mm-hmm. And this house will not blow away. For sure. And it will <laughs> not, it will, it's very unlikely that this house will flood. Yeah, I think it's an interesting, I guess, anecdote is that when I would describe to people who have not seen the house or were not standing at the house that it was done by students, their immediate reaction was, how is that possible? It's definitely gonna fall down or questioning <laughs> me if it will stand up. I think just seeing the process of, of drawings and permitting and inspections and, and the involvement of the city, that helps people understand that it's not just a bunch of kids getting some lumber out there and throwing a house up. Um, and I also you know, think it's a highly it involved process. And it also helps the students understand that arch- there's a whole lot more to architecture oh yeah. than just producing pretty drawings. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, this is this is one of the essential lessons I think is that the process is a very long process. It's like making a film. The drawings are just the script. Yeah. And there's a lot to do after that. Right. The production, the filming, the editing, putting it all together is is a long process where you have to get, uh, as in building, at each stage you have to just totally immerse yourself in the details of it. I mean, maybe the big picture is in the back of your mind, but you have to just keep dealing with the immediate problems in front of you. So for you spend a year doing that, and there's a miraculous day at the very end when you know you move out all the tools and clean the floors and move the furniture in and all of a sudden it's like this is what we were thinking about mm-hmm. and all buildings are like that there's that moment when it goes from being the day-by-day construction to re-engaging the initial concepts of the design yeah it's a it's a beautifully done project so congratulations well, to you both you. and everyone Thanks. that was involved and thank the students there were more, uh, 50 students i think over the two years who including some who took the course four times yeah mm-hmm. a miraculous effort <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so who stuck with it all the way through so i i know you've been doing this for a long time but as a student who's kind of seen the whole process through what do you think some of the major takeaways are from this project in particular and then the program as a whole? I definitely think that you can't go through school and only think about the design of something on paper. Um, I think it's just totally critical that you're, you're forced to learn a little bit more about the trades that, uh, that you're going to be working with you know, in your career. I think it's also a great confidence builder for women I think to also participate in the program you know construction has always been a male-dominated industry it will for sure improve your you know as a woman your your standing in the industry at your job in a coordination meeting on the job site if you come in knowing even just the very basics of how a job site works what you should do what you shouldn't do you know, if you can speak a little lingo, uh, that's always great. It goes great. a long way. It goes a really long way. And, and I think you'll just be certainly respected more, but even a more enjoyable person to work with in the end. Even in that regard, I think an architect who has spent time out on a job understands what the art of building is mm-hmm. and what the limitations on that are. You seldom achieve perfection, and you're all the time dealing with uh, unforeseen 
circumstances. So it's amazing that anything ever gets built at all. Um, but in addition to this the notion that you would you learn how to be more experienced as an architect, one of the things I'm most proud of is all of the people who've seen alternate courses out of this mm -hmm. into uh, the larger field of architecture. There are so many of our students who've who've gone on to do really, really interesting other things and found career directions that they never would have anticipated. Rose, would you say that this has kind of altered your perspective on what you could pursue as an architectural career after you graduate? You know, there's still time for me to decide on what I want to do exactly, but it certainly has opened my eyes to a lot of opportunities that I don't think I would have considered before. Um, but it's also shifted my thoughts uh, about how to teach architecture students too. I mean, I think I'm interested in teaching eventually in my career. And um, in addition to all of the sort of hands-on technical skills or my experiences on the Plus House, it's, it's also made me rethink um, even my approach to architecture curriculum and what, what is important to be, to be teaching these students that are coming out of school. So um, kind of lastly, what, what keeps you going? What keeps you ticking? Like, you know, you've been yeah. doing this for so long. <laughs> Can we get another 20 years out of <laughs> <Yeah>. you? <laughs> I love doing it. I l uh, there's nothing better than, for instance, a year ago when we were out there putting floor decking down on the most beautiful October day. That was, and everybody was just sort of getting into the rhythm of it. That was so much fun. Well, it's obviously gratifying. It's fun to build things, to see students actually realize their visions in reality. Uh, but for me, the, the most important thing has been working with students who then go on to continue exploring these ideas in their careers. Great. Well, thanks to you both. It's been a great conversation. Yeah. Of course, anytime. Thank you. Check out photos of construction and the final plus house on the Rice Construct Instagram page. Be sure and follow their account to keep up with current projects with Workshop Houston. As always, don't forget to subscribe to our page on SoundCloud to keep up with new releases. I'm your host, Island Nosley, and this has been Tete a Tete.